Okay, guys, uh, welcome to The Dad Presents. We got a very special guest for you today, uh, Larry Sharp. He's coming to us from New York. Uh, you've seen him before. He ran for governor, and now he's running to be the vice president for the Libertarian Party. How's it going, Larry? It is going. Thanks for having me again. Yes, I live in the belly of the beast. Yeah. New York City, the hardest hit city here with Corona. I live in Queens, the hardest hit borough of Corona. And that, that hospital you heard of last month, Elmhurst Hospital, mm-hmm. walking distance from my house. Oh, wow. wow. So, yes, I, uh, I'm in the belly of the beast here. I am. You've, uh, you've stayed healthy, though, I'm presuming. Yes. Um, yeah. The funny thing is um, my family and I don't know if we've already had it or not. Right. We don't know. Some people are asymptomatic. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe we've never had it. Maybe we've all had it. I'm sure if one of us has had it, then probably all of us have. We live in the same house. It's me probably. and my two daughters and my wife. So my assumption is that we, we, if I have it, we all had it. If anyone had it, we all had it. And I was traveling into Manhattan. Right. I was doing the, 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 the subway thing like a month or so ago. My oh, kids wow. were going to school before it closed down. So my assumption is if it was there, we probably got it, I assume. But who knows? Yep. I, that's it. Who knows? I mean, the the things we've learned about it are that we don't really know much about it. It, it seems like it could have been around in November, December, and maybe right. half people get it, show no symptoms. I mean, I think I think we had it in my house this winter, but um, no way to know. Yeah. Um, anyway, um, so you're running for vice president of the Libertarian Party. The Libertarian, Libertarian Party works a little bit different. Um, can you can you tell us that? Yeah, process? and how how the big parties work, the old parties, what they do is they have some president they, that they nominate, and then that president says, "I'm going to you know punish you guys with my selection." Right? They just they just decide right. this is my selection. Suck it up, guys. You don't like yeah. it too bad. Yeah. So the person who actually may become the president, if the vice, if the president is in some way unable to perform his or her duties, becomes someone that no one elected. Right. That's how it works. It's a selection process, right? So we don't do that in the Libertarian Party. We actually, within our party, we have what you would think of as a primary. It's not really a primary, but like a primary for each separately. So we run for president, and then it's a separate row that runs for vice president. And right. then at our convention, um, that's when we select. We still select at convention. We will have lots of state conventions that will do either primaries or that will do um voting or debates and they will let us know where they are and they will give us delegates but the delegates are not bound they are not bound so even though there may be whatever you know 40 delegates that say they like Larry Sharp when they go to the actual convention they're not bound to vote for Larry Sharp they can vote whoever they want interesting so we have a fight at convention usually almost every single time and prior to the 70s that's how it was for all of the parties Mm mm-hmm that was the norm. They actually got they at convention is when they went there and they actually selected their uh, candidates. We do that. So I'm running for the VP. So I ran in 2016 and I almost made it. I was 32 votes shy mm. of it becoming a Gary Johnson, Larry Sharp ticket in 2016. Yeah. And I'm well, running now. And yeah, I'm you're gonna, running, you're running yeah. on a ticket with Jim Gray, which is a little bit different than it's not really that. running a ticket. I mean, it is, but it isn't like what, what, what that says is that's my preferred presidential candidate. Gotcha. However, whoever wins can still get me as the VP. So it doesn't matter who wins, right? Anyone who wins can still get me as VP. What happens usually is people try, presidents often try to run with a VP saying, this is the guy or gal that I want, but Mm -hmm. we don't always give them that person. Right. So they could 
vote for, say, Justin Amash, and it could be you winning the, the vice president's life. It could, it could be a gray sharp ticket. It could be a, a Mosh sharp ticket. It's a guy named Hornberg. It could be a Hornberger Hornberg, sharp. Yeah. It's a woman named Joe uh, Jorgensen. It could be a Jorgensen uh, sharp ticket. It could be any yeah. of those. Just to be yeah. clear and be very forward, I'm winning my nomination. I will, be, I will be the VP candidate. The question is who will be uh, my, my running mate. That's terrific. Um, yeah, I mean, well, let, let's talk a little bit about coronavirus and then get, get back sure. to the libertarian political scene um because justin amash just got in and kind of yep. really threw a wrench into the whole thing but i want to talk 100%. about coronavirus yep um because that's what everybody's talking about now and yes. running for office like i think most people are unhappy with the way things are going right now absolutely out here, out here in california we just got locked down till the end of july terrible idea yeah the worst okay. possible thing you could have done embarrassingly bad we yes, should be ashamed of ourselves as a people that we just sat back and allowed some government to say, you're essential, you're not essential, you're important, no, you can open, no, you can leave your house, no, you can't, and we sat back and we took it. The government has been bending us over and giving us the high hard one for years, and again, we went, oh, thank you, sir, may I have another? Instead right. of going, no, right. what are you doing? No, you can't tell me not to live my life. You mm -hmm. can't tell me not to feed my family. Right? You, you just can't do that. You, you can't do that. That's, that's impo impossible. I've right. said openly, if I owned a store in New York City, I would keep my store open. Come arrest me. Sure. Go ahead and find me. I'm going bankrupt anyway. Hmm. So I have an idea. Find me. Don't find me $1,000. Find me a billion dollars. I'm not paying it anyway. I don't care. Find me $30 trillion, the entire right. debt of the country. I'm still not paying it. I'm going bankrupt. So I might as well keep my store open, collect whatever I possibly can collect before I go under, hide that cash under my, under my, uh, um, under my mattress because the banks are going to go under. So why don't I just hold my money? And then when it goes under, it goes under. Come get me if you want to. Are you going to put me in jail and give me corona? Is that what you're right. going to do? Yeah. You say that out here, um, they tried to shut down the gun stores while keeping yep. open liquor stores. I mean, it seems so arbitrary what they've closed and what they've kept open. It just seems completely arbitrary and political. But the gun store owners out here, they weren't having it. They stayed open. Yep. And at that point, it was like Governor Newsom had to roll up in there with some tanks or he had to, you know, bend to their wishes and he, he oh so the second world. amendment worked it worked in that look case look at that the yeah. second amendment worked you wonder why the people go into um protest and they're armed because armed protesters don't get arrested right 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 i mean gun so control by the way the whole idea of it was racist i don't mean to sound crazy here but it was right initially in the 1860s and 70s a lot of these laws came out to keep guns out of the hands of former slaves. They didn't right. want them going after their former masters, yeah. which look, if I'm a former master, I get it. Right. I'm, I'm not saying what they did was wrong. Was, was what wasn't smart. It was probably smart, but it was wrong. Right. right. I mean, I get your self interest. I, I don't want some guy who I've been whipping to come back and shoot me. I got it. I mean, I'm with you. It makes sense, but still wrong. Yeah. And then in the sixties, when the rise of the black Panthers in California, they were protesting. And what were they armed? All of them. And that's when you have another round of gun control. Mm -hmm. Gun control was meant to stop was meant to stop black people from protesting. That was the origins of it. And it's just gone so far since then.
Yes. But it goes to show when those guys have guns, they don't get arrested. That's right. That's I, the reason why it exists. And and speaking to what you're saying about blacks, there's a lot of black friends of mine and black activists who are typically liberal, who are very outspoken about guns in protecting our rights. So that's one issue where they're not on the liberal train, which I find interesting because I absolutely I yeah. We'll, we'll think of all the violence that has happened in the black community from armed police officers, from a militarized sure. police force, right? A militarized police force has kills over a thousand Americans every single year. We don't know how many because they're not required to report, but we know it's over a thousand Americans are killed by cops every single year. Right. Right. And I'll give you New York city, the biggest, the biggest um, uh, police force in the country, the biggest city in, in, in the country, there are more New York city cops than there are ISIS fighters. Wow. Even at the ISIS's peak, there are about 30,000, give or take uh, New York city cops. It's a whole lot. They're the 13th largest army in the planet. That's how many uh, law enforcement officers are in New York City. Guess how many have been killed by assailants or bad guys in the past three years? I have no idea. Zero. Wow. Not one. Zero. That's how scared cops are. Why are you so scared? You know who kills more cops in New York City than anybody else? Other cops. Yeah. Well, other cops. If it's zero, sure. Other cops have shot other cops. That I think two died last year in friendly fire. Right. But that's it in friendly fire. Mm -hmm. But yeah. not us. Yeah. And then, look, I'm not anti law enforcement. My father was in law enforcement. I'm not anti law enforcement. I'm anti a culture that militarizes our police, that forces them to be in a situation to where they have to wind up becoming an occupying force instead of what they should be community policers. Right. That's what I want from my police force. And to be forward, I think most people, most cops, I think, want that. I don't believe a cop goes to the academy and goes, I can't wait to write tickets. I don't think they said that. I don't think some cop goes, some guy goes to the academy going, I can't wait to beat up brown people and immigrants. I don't think they think that at all. I think they think I want to come in and I want to do the right thing. Most of them, I believe 99.9% .9 go in believing that, wanting that, and the system corrupts many of them to either become apathetic to become bad cops or to leave. Yep, it's tragic. And it's uh, it's no good for our communities. It's no good Correct. for kids. Um, so so let, let me, me go to Corona if I could. Since you yeah, asked yeah, yeah. I, I, so you you wouldn't lock down California. I'm glad to hear that because I think it's it's had tragic results on, on the economy. And, when, and whenever you start talking about the economy, people want to bash you as you, you're caring about money over people. And that's not really the case. I've believed from the start of this that more people will end up dying as a result of the lockdown than they are saving. Now, only time will tell, but poverty kills a lot of people. So Poverty is the most <laughs> deadly thing in human history. Gandhi called poverty a crime against humanity. Yeah. Poverty is the worst. Just after my India, uh, Gandhi, just in India, there are 50 million people in India who literally, when I say literally, I mean my exact words, literally li li uh, live hand to mouth. If they don't work that day, they don't eat that day. 50 million people in, in India, there's no loan, there's no borrowing money, there's no refrigerator. Literally, you don't mm -hmm. work that day, you don't eat that day. You don't work for three days, you don't eat anything. For right. three days, that kind of horrible poverty is going to be exacerbated because of what stupidity we did here in America. And that's Absolutely. just India. 
there are tens of millions of people throughout the entire world in that same spot. So how would Larry Sharp have handled this? Absolutely. This is not so hard. There are give or take five or six big issues that hurt us with COVID, right? Masks, hand sanitizers, beds, doctors, uh, tests, and ventilators. So six and ventilators. Those are the six pieces that would have made things better for COVID. The second, if I'm a governor of any state, in my case, it would have been New York, right? But whatever it would have been, right? As soon as this crosses a border and gets into South Korea, which crosses a border, now I know, okay, this is no longer local. It's crossed the border. It's a big deal. It's going to hit us eventually. The first thing I do is I then rescind all laws on distilling. Why? Because I want people to be able to create their own hand sanitizers, right? I want to do yeah. that up front. Rescind all rules on distilling. Just if you want to distill, make hand sanitizer, go ahead. On top of that, I want to tell my nonprofits my local churches, my VFWs, my Knights of Columbus, right? All those, my Masons, right? All those local community groups. Look, if you want to make it and sell it, no sales tax. Just do it, be donation, whatever, send sales tax. Get some money flowing in these nonprofits. Get some people showing up in these nonprofits to make some cash and to change the culture. If you're a part of a nonprofit, church group, uh, Mason, Masonic uh, uh, Lodge, any of those groups, that matters to you. Otherwise you don't join it. Right. Right. So when the church elders or when the temple group does, or when the VFW leadership says, guys, start using hand sanitizer, man, it matters. You listen. Otherwise you're not part of that group, right? Sure. You would listen to that group because you're part of that group. So you begin to get people to start thinking about it immediately. Still not done. You then say all my department of building regulations regarding betting rescind, allow these little groups to put cots wherever they want to put cots. Cots in the bench, in, in the basements, cots upstairs, wherever they want to put cots. Why? Depending upon your community, you may be in a world where, let's say you live in a place where you have grandma and grandpa at home and you have children at home, both, right? And you go, ooh, now what do I do? Well, maybe you ask grandma and grandpa to sleep in the church. Or the reverse, only you with some people in the house who are immune compromised, immune compromised, but you want to go out and work. Well, maybe you sleep in the church, right? So you don't have to go home give it to your friends and family that maybe you know have a problem, you sit at the church and you just FaceTime them and keep paying the bills. So each church or each local community, each VFW can decide what works best for its community. They can mix, mix and match, right? Maybe the VFW okay. is for the guys who are working. The gals, come, uh, the gals then come back and, and stay at, at the church because they're working and they let the kids and the grandpa stay home or whatever. Any mix and match that works, allow the community to think that. I'm still not done. I use government for what it's good at. And what is that? I allow government to be a repository for information, right? A repository for data. So I take the, the CDC and the FDA rules and I place them on a website and say, guys, if you want to build masks, if you want to make ventilators, if you want to uh, make testing, here is what the FDA and CDC uh, say. Please go on, which is your bad self. Make some cool masks. And again, if you make masks, no sales tax. Go on and do it. I also don't, don't stop gouging. Why would I stop gouging? Why would, because if now a mask costs 10 cents to make whatever it costs and they sell for four bucks a mask, guess what? There's masks for other people. You don't hoard. It stops hoarding. Not just that. If some company makes a bunch of money because they sold masks at three times the price, guess what they have extra? Masks to mask. give out that they mm -hmm. can now donate to the people who need it, like hospital workers and such. And they don't mind doing it because they made cash on the other guys who tried to hoard. And now they can give those to the hospital workers for free 
as a marketing tool. Now the people who need it get it. Sure. But I'm still not done. On top of that, I'm going to tell my attorney general, you are not in any way, shape, or form to prosecute anybody who breaks any intellectual property or 3D printing rules as long as they're using a 3D printer to create either a test or a ventilator. In which case now, people will start making them, right? They'll start make them. We would have found out what tests fail and what ventilators fail three months ago. How do I know that? I was talking about this three months ago. And we would have then failed then and known which tests work, which ones don't, blah, blah, blah. I'm still not done. Then I rescind all the licensing rules for people who are medical personnel, right? right. Note, everything I'm doing is removing unnecessary right. laws. So what, what I'm gathering is the governor, what he did is added regulation, added Correct. bureaucracy, and you would strip it away to allow, to allow people to make good decisions. And, get and what this. winds up happening is we get Sweden. Yes. Sweden did this. Which is, which is ironic. People, but yes. yes. Everyone talked about the, the socialistic nature of Sweden. But yeah. Sweden literally said, let me show my people what to do. Let me encourage them to do the right thing and show them and watch them do it. And guess what? They did. Mm -hmm. And we yeah. would too if they would have given us some, 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 some respect and said, here's how it works. But I'm going to keep going if I could a little bit further. And then I know I'm driving okay. you crazy. No. But you asked a deep question yes. and it's a real answer. If I would have done that up front, most people would have ignored me. They would have just said, whatever, crazy, Governor Sharp, whatever. This isn't that bad because everyone was saying it's not that bad. But some people would have jumped on board because there's always early adopters. It's just how it works. And the early adopters would have made some cool masks. If you're in New York, you would have got a Yankees mask. Maybe if you're in LA, you get a Dodgers mask or whatever, right? You get something cool. LA Kings, whatever's your, your, your group, whatever. So you get some kind of cool mask, a Joker mask, a Batman mask, and you begin to change the culture. If, I'm sure you have a large Chinatown in lots of parts of, of California. Sure. We have one in, in New York City. They already wear masks Yep. because of their culture in East Asia. They had SARS. They had the, the, uh, the other viruses they had over there, the bird flu. So wearing masks in many East Asian cultures is eh, a thing, whatever we do it. That would have began to happen in our culture. How do, how do I know that? It's happening now. I would have started that three months ago. We'd be using our hand sanitizing. We'd be having the right tests. We'd have more ventilators. We'd have everything ready right now. So all of a sudden when people go, oh my God, this is real. The infrastructure is there. We know how to react and, 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 and respond, but I'm still not done. I've given everybody all of the rules and regulations of what the FDA, FDA and CDC think are correct. I learned from South Korea. I learned from Italy and I post those. And I then say, there you go. All you retail stores, here's what I expect of you. Find ways to keep people six feet apart. Find ways to put plastic up, blah, 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 whatever. Then I don't take my, my, my police force or my health inspector force to start attacking people. Instead, I give them a government stamp if they follow the rules and regulations. Front of your store, government stamp says, yes, you follow. I then encourage my statewide organization to do the same thing. Medical associations, uh, uh, um, um, health associations to create their own rules and regulations and their own guidelines and create a stamp. Now, each retail store, any retail outlet, store, bar, club, doesn't matter, gets a stamp or it doesn't. If you lie and put the wrong stamp on, that's fraud. Hammer you for that. That's a, that's a crime. You don't lie. If you, don't, if you didn't get the stamp, you didn't get the stamp. But now what happens? The consumers decide. The consumers say, oh, I don't trust that stamp. Oh, I trust that stamp. And they start going in. Right? They start figuring out how to work. They can decide to have the mask on or not. The company could say, you don't come in my store without a mask. 
Yeah. Don't come in. Sorry. They can do that. Now, what happens is- I mean, this is an extrapolation of your idea for getting rid of the FDA and letting independent agencies do it, right? Yes. Yeah. Why would I want to have a monopoly on good ideas? Let everybody right. have them. And now the consumers pick. And what would have happened is things that we as consumers think are non-essential would have gone away. And if we as the people decide we don't want them, then they're non-essential. Not because some government edict goes, it's not essential. If we don't want it, it's not essential. Some companies would have closed because we wouldn't go in because we wouldn't feel safe. Yeah. So they would close naturally mm-hmm. and some would stay open. But and that's exactly what happened in Sweden is some places yes! closed. Yeah. I'm not making this up. It already <laughs> happened. Right. Yeah. But here's the best part. And the most important piece of the entire thing. We would have learned how to function in this environment. This is not the last virus to hit us. There will be others. For sure. Some will be worse. Some won't be as bad. But either way, if we would have had the right protocols to deal with this and learn them now as they've done in South Korea, the next time it hits, we just know, click protocols. Boom. Make this happen. Local community steps up. Hospitals are fine. Doctors are ready. They can move and match. We know what big cities get hit first. Doctors come to New York City. We know how it works. Boom, 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 boom. And we can survive in, 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 this, in this arena. I was mm-hmm. a Marine. And the Marine Corps, I was a Marine in the 80s. We saw the Soviet Union and all that stuff, right? So we worried about you being attacked by gas and biological weapons. And I was taught that you have to be able to function in a contaminated environment. It doesn't matter. The war doesn't end because they drop, you know, chemical weapons or biological weapons. You still got to fight. The war's right. not over. Right. Well, our life isn't over because of a, of a pandemic. It's not over. And it, right. makes it, it makes it so that now we're so weak that if now I'm Iran or I'm Russia or China, whoever, why bother getting nuclear weapons? Don't do that. I'll get a, I'll get a biological weapon, release mm. it every three years, and I'll crush the American economy in 10 years, and we win. Right. And, and our reaction of shutting down, locking down, we, we can't – that's not a sustainable strategy. Eventually, we're, we're all dead with that strategy. I mean, the supply chain is going to be interrupted. We're not going to have food. I mean, it, it doesn't play out well for the next pandemic or even Absolutely. this fall if they try to do this again. They need, they need to have – a strategy like you're talking about that yep. we go on with normal life. So let me ask you. So, um, a lot I'm of sorry, people, I yapped a lot. I apologize. No, no, no. All good stuff. All good stuff. But a lot of people do support these lockdowns. You know, they mm-hmm. buy the official narrative that you hear on CNN that you know about the the numbers of deaths and how infectious it is and and that and and whatnot. Um, but then you get alternate points of view like you're mm-hmm. offering from scientists like do- two doctors out here in California made a video there's another video called pandemic a lot of a lot of videos a lot of science that comes out um twitter facebook cnn they all block it out it's been it's banned it, we are we're having the narration is being crafted so that we hear only what they want us to hear and they're yep. censoring certain ideas um how do you feel about private companies like Facebook censoring information that they themselves determine to be inaccurate information? Well, there's three pieces. Uh, the first piece here is in the long run, this always fails, right? Short term, it works. And most people are thinking short term. In the long run, this kind of thing fails, right? It will mm-hmm. eventually fail. Sadly, a lot of people are going to die before it fails. That's what sucks. Now, then there's a should versus legal should Facebook do this? Should Twitter do it? Of course they shouldn't, but they are a private company. 
And they do have a right to put up what they want to put up. They have a right to show what they want to show and not as long as they are open with their contracts with the people who they're working for. But there's a caveat here. That's the third part. The largest, um, the largest um, uh, database and the largest search engine in America is Google. The second largest is YouTube, owned by Google. Same company, yeah. Yes, owned by Google. So we're coming to a place where we're, we're having monopoly. And once we have monopoly, those rules begin to become gray now, right? Um, that, and that's why it isn't so crystal clear. The theory is that, well, they're a private company, do what they want. Yeah, but when they're the only game in town, that's a problem. So right. once you move towards monopoly, those rules become kind of, well, wait a minute, maybe it's time to start breaking some monopolies up and doing something better. Because what winds up happening when they're a monopoly, to your point, they become the only view. Sure. Yeah. Right. And that's the issue. They become the only view. And I know most libertarians stand by the idea that they're a private company. They should be able to do what they want. But I feel like if you ask those same libertarians, well, what about, you know, I have a coffee shop and I don't want to let blacks and gays in. I don't think they would support that. So this, the libertarian principle of private company, I mean, there's no consistency on it. So yeah, it's, it's a, it's a, it's again, it's, it becomes gray. I'm with you. It's a gray area. I wish it were clearly to your point about black and white. I wish it were black and white. It's not, it's a gray area. Now, again, that's what I said. Should and theory, this is a hard one. This isn't, this isn't clear cut. Should a private company be able to put what they want up? Yeah, they should. They should. Should they actually do that? No, it's a terrible idea because they know how powerful they are. Facebook knows how powerful it is. So they mm -hmm. shouldn't do that even though they can. And now we start moving to your point towards monopoly. Ah, wow, it's monopoly, right? This is bad. We, this is a problem, right? It's a problem. The, yeah. the, the, so it's, it's gray. Um, do I think that we should physically break, try to break them up? No. Do I think we can in some way, shape, or form shine a light on this bad behavior and either set up a, a system to where others, where other real competitors to Facebook can pop up? Yeah, that would be one, right? And the mm -hmm. other thing would be, we let them know, look, uh, are you going to be a monopoly? We, you want us to treat you like a monopoly? Because we can. You're not going to like it. You're not going to like if we treat you like a monopoly. And then maybe they will back off and change. But that's how I think we have to deal with that issue. Your point's a valid one. This is not black and white. Culture also matters, right? Sure. It, would we want a, 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 a world in the perfect world does not exist? But the perfect world, if someone said, you know, I don't want gay people in my store or something like that, right? In the perfect world, society would punish them and the market would punish them and they wouldn't be able to survive. That's the perfect world. That's not reality. Right. Too, and so sometimes we have to shift and deal with the cultures of our world and understand that culture and history and all those things matter and they kind of move in and shift. So I'm not a purist when it comes to that. I absolutely will always shift towards liberty versus uh, tyranny. I will always move towards volunteerism versus force. I always have the carrot versus the stick. At the same time, I'm a realist. I, I get the world is not black and white. It's gray. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And a lot of people have a, a hard time with the gray areas or, or even admitting that there is gray areas, especially yep. in this coronavirus debate. So here's another, another tough one related to gray areas and related to libertarianism. Mm -hmm. Typically, I'm out there speaking about, you know, we need to let prisoners go. There's a lot of nonviolent prisoners in jail for 
abusing drugs, selling drugs, nonviolent crimes. Shouldn't be, should have never been locked up, but they are locked up. Right now, the the governor has and the, and the mayor they've released about twenty five percent of Los Angeles criminals at a time when nobody can find a job and everything's shut down. My car got stolen last week, and I live in a, a nice neighborhood. My car got stolen, so I'm not so sure that this is the right time to be acting on that. Let's let the the prisoners go. Um, what, what's what's your point of view on that? And do you? No, know, I I love this. I love this piece, and we have these issues all the time. It this again goes to not being not being black and white, right? I hope, and this is my hope, that this crisis has shown us why the hell we put them in jail in the first place, right? Right. Mm-hmm. No matter what, releasing them is a bad idea right now, right? Because either they're they're nonviolent criminals, in which case, why were they in the first place? You took them out of their life so they have no job and now put them back out into a community where they're going to have no job. What that they're going to, you got to go back to jail. You haven't done them a favor or they are violent people, in which case, why are you putting them out in the, in the, in the world in the first place? Mm-hmm. Right? So either way, it's a bad idea, but it goes to a point that some libertarians get mad at me. When I was running for governor of New York, I said that I wanted to release all people who are uh, and pardon all people of any cannabis-related charges. And some people would still be in because they did other things, but their sentences would be reduced, and some people would get out. Yeah. And people said, well, you should let them all out, right? I said, no, I'm not. And they went, what? Why wouldn't you let them all out? I said, because it's unfair. Well, they were nonviolent. I said, some of them have been in 10 years. And while they weren't violent when they went in, they might be violent now. Hmm. So we don't know if they're violent now. But not just that. If they've been in five or 10 years, what are they going home to? What are you going home to? So what I wanted was a three to six to nine month separations period where they'd go into a place which is similar to what they do in uh, Massachusetts called the Humvee program. It's a, a veteran program. It's a, it's a program where uh, the corrections officers help to pick the right people to come out and they live almost in like a squad bay or military style and they begin to prep them almost like a halfway house on how to go out and function in society, how to learn new things, how to get them into an actual transition and out. So I would be transitioning people out. And people say, but how can you keep them locked up? It's not fair. I would say it's, it's not fair to just throw them out. Right? right. A, a You're setting them up for failure when you just throw them right out like that. And look, Especially the reality right of it is government set up the failure so government mm-hmm. can fix the problem that government created. I don't right. have a problem with that, right? So yeah, I wouldn't just let them out. And some libertarians got mad at me for that. I don't care. It's great. Look, I know my mother was a felon, convicted felon in, drug, in a drug war. I, it's funny. My father was in law enforcement. He's actually a corrections officer. My mother was actually went to jail. It's crazy. Well, but yes, that's my story. On both sides. Yeah. I know both sides. So <laughs> when someone comes out, I don't. I, libertarians also want to shut down all the bases, all the military bases, everything, and bring all the troops home and discharge them. That's a horrible idea. Bring them yeah. all home? Yes. Discharge them immediately? No. Gotcha. What are these guys going to do? You're going to take a million people and put them all of a sudden into a workforce that can't absorb them. A million people who thought they were going to be in the military for at least another two, three years, have families, have plans, and then shove them out into the civilian population all of a sudden? That's what happened. We already after have Vietnam. a horrible suicide problem with vets already. Yeah. We're going to double that. Yeah. I mean, that's what happened after Vietnam, right? We just turned everybody loose and a lot of them ended up on the streets, killing themselves, drug addiction. Yeah. 
We've already yeah. seen it. No, you bring them, you shut the bases down, stop the wars, begin to trickle them home, let them out in the right time frame, give them a transition period so they can move back into society. Absolutely. So yeah. again, that's that's not hardcore libertarian. So, so I understand let me, that. Let me ask you about great. that. I want to shift gear into that since we're talking about that. Um, my biggest issue, I think, for for most libertarians, the, the wars. I mean, yep. it's 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 murder. It it kills thousands of people. It it's done to enrich the elite. I mean, that's the only that's the only purpose I can see for these wars anymore after twenty years. So you got to end the wars. Obama talked about ending the wars. Yep. Trump talked about ending the wars. Yep. Neither one of them's done it. So yep. they're not gonna. If you were to get in there, what makes you think you could get that done? What? Because how do you do I it? understand what it actually is. Other people don't. The military and just industrial complex is a massive jobs program. That's what it actually is. People think, well, it's about safety. No, it's a massive jobs program. That's what it is. So how do I do that? Well, I begin to slowly, as I said, bring the troops home and begin to dismantle while opening up trade routes to everything. Why in the world do we have any trade barriers at all? Particularly after Corona. Corona has shown that it isn't a money problem. It's a commerce problem. I don't want to give you 1200 bucks. I want to give you a way of moving that money through the economy, right? I want to I want to increase commerce. So, for example, the first thing I would do is say, Cuba, open free trade tomorrow. Open free trade tomorrow. The amount of people who would jump on that immediately, that would open up new markets right away, people who speak Spanish, Cuban-Americans, people would move to Florida. All of a sudden, people start coming back. So now, I boom, that comes. Larry, Next, let me, Iran. Let me, let me interrupt. Open up Iran. Go ahead. Let, uh, on 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 trade because I'm yes. not sure I share your perspective, but y- you're smarter about this stuff, so maybe you maybe, can correct me. Maybe not. Isn't our trade policy with China part of the reason we're in this situation now? Yes, absolutely. Well, don't we have pretty much free trade with them? We don't. And let me cover China and then the other ones. You okay. asked one specific question, then I'll go to China. Okay. Once you begin to open up these markets and lower trade barriers, you're opening up more opportunity for jobs and work. What does that mean? People who've been overseas, military people, are going to be in demand to go back overseas, negotiate, talk, know other languages, so-and-so. All the people who know every, all, every, all the, the, the Arab and Middle East cultures, open those back up. You're going to start bringing these people in here and going back out. And that's what I want. As we begin to do that, we can begin to break the military industrial complex down because we can find jobs for these people. The military industrial complex... I mean, literally employs tens of millions of Americans. Mm-hmm. You can't just stop it. So why we make tanks we don't need. Right. We literally don't need tanks. Why are we making them? Because it's jobs. Why do we have so much foreign aid? We give a, a hundred, $100 billion to some country. The elites of that country take $10 billion in their pocket, and then they take $90 billion and buy weapons from us. Mm-hmm. That's foreign aid. Right. It's a jobs program. Yes. Again, foreign aid, it's all a jobs program. That's why it can't go away. It would destroy the economy. So grow the economy to remove the job, the military industrial complex. Now China. China's a massive problem, but the biggest problem is culturally. And I'll bring and I mean our culture. And look at New York State as an example. In New York State, we have a very popular uh, local brewery, um, local craft uh, beer industry. 
It's very popular in New York State. I don't know if you have it in, in California now, but we have it in New York State. So it is very common for a New Yorker, a regular everyday New Yorker, to walk into a bar and literally pay $2 extra for a beer because that beer comes from a local distillery. It's common. We do it all the time. We like yes. it. It's a thing that we do yeah. and we have some pride in it. And we know it's two bucks extra and we are happy to do it. Don't, don't complain. We do it. Are we ready to do that when we go to Walmart and not spend 25 cents for my son's crayons, but spend 50 cents for my son's crayons? Yeah, I don't think people are. Do you? No. And the okay. reason why is because we have not shined a light on what China does. All we do is one of two things. We use the Walmart side. We'll cheap prices. That's one. Or we use the Trump side. They're evil trying to kill us. Neither is true. The reality is China is doing crooked crap so they can have a jobs program. It's the same thing. They just want a jobs program. I'm not mad at them for that. It's crappy. But we should know that, shine a light on that, and literally say, do you care about American workers and American jobs? If you do, if you care about that, do the same thing you would for the $2 beer. Spend 50 cents for the crayons, not 25 cents. Once we start doing that, it will take time. That's not five minutes. That's literally years of changing American but, culture. I mean, didn't but, we already- Hold on one second. If we do yeah. that, it doesn't matter whether it's China or Vietnam or Russia or Sub-Saharan Africa or South America, whatever is the next emerging market, whatever that is, we will defend ourselves against that now and forever if we change our culture. Okay. Um, I hear you on that, but didn't we already like do that with Apple? Didn't we expose what they're doing with Foxconn and, and how they're treating employees and why it's so cheap to buy a phone? And, and it seemed like people didn't really care. I mean, people still it, buy the products. If we keep doing that, then we deserve what we get. I'm being very forward. If we keep doing that, then we deserve what we get. If you're saying your 25 cents is worth America's losing jobs, then don't cry when America's losing jobs. I mean, it's, it literally is that simple. In New York State, we want to keep our craft breweries. So we pay two extra bucks because we care. And we do it. Well, you should do it too. That's yeah. what I'm telling you. I mean, that, it, it literally is that. That's the only sustainable answer. The only other answer, which you're going to see happening now, is a proxy war against China. I'm not joking. I mean, we'll be fighting China in a proxy war like Vietnam or Korea, but we'll do it in sub-Saharan Africa, or we'll do it off the coast of some Philippine island in South China Sea. That's the answer. We're already fighting a proxy war in North Korea, South Korea. What are you doing that? So we'll do it again. I don't want that. I have why, an idea. Change American it, culture. I understand what you're saying, and that would be terrific if that worked. I, I don't have high hopes it would. Why, why would a tax on imports not help the problem. What do you mean by that? Like anything coming in from China, like American companies who build products in China and bring them back in, why not tax those to make the cost equal to cost that of what's being produced here in America to force companies to bring the jobs home? Why wouldn't that Because work? they'll do the same to us. That's why. China because will do the same to us. Are they going to sit there and go, okay, is that what they're going to do? No, they're doing no, the same. They'll do the same. They'll make it worse. They'll start dumping stuff. They've done that before too. They'll start dumping stuff. But here's the worst part. We play a hard enough game, they will actually change the, uh, they, they'll stop buying stuff in dollars. What happens when they don't want to use the dollar as a normal currency? Right, we're, de we're done for. We're finished. Yeah. Remember, our, our dollar is backed by nothing except, uh -huh. except the military, right? Our dollar is backed by Marines and soldiers and sailors. 
Yeah. So why? if they stop using the dollar, we have to invade again. I'm not joking. No, you're right. You're absolutely again. right. Why? And I, I've wondered for a long time now, why hasn't that happened already? I mean, our Fed prints money with because no we'll bomb you. anything. So it's our military. It's That's back. It. I'm not. This is yeah. not conspiracy stuff, guys. If you want to just Google it, it's no, I everywhere. think you're right. I think I, yes. th there seems to be no other justification for why the rest of the world hasn't ditched the dollar right now. And though, though I want to see us drastically cut our military budget because it's a massive waste of spending, we kind of need the military to put the fear of God into the rest of the world, or our our dollar's worthless. Which is why we have to audit the Fed uh -huh. so that people see what the Federal Reserve does. And then take a five to ten year plan to wean ourselves off of the Fed. Let's let's talk about that for a second. So yeah. so okay, so uh, back up to Justin Amash. He, sure. he got into the Libertarian race, and some people were excited. I was even a little excited because the guy has some name recognition. So Absolutely. Maybe he can get in there and do some damage. Yep. Then I heard him on one of those Sunday talk shows. I think it was maybe Face the Nation, and and he was basically he offered nothing. He was basically like. Trump sucks, Biden sucks, so vote for me. That, yep. that was his whole pitch. I know. And, you know, I know. A, third, a third party right now, I think, has a real chance to make a splash because he is right. Biden and Trump suck. People are looking for something else. Yeah. But you got to inspire the people. So like I'm in, agreeing. In 2008, Ron Paul, that guy inspired people. 100%. And he talked about, he talked a lot about the Fed and he talked a lot about the wars. There's probably one third, I'm going to guess, in that area of the Libertarian Party to this day who are Ron Paul um, Libertarians. Probably, yeah. yeah. So what I, what I want to ask you, if you get on a national stage, let's say in a debate or you get on one of those shows or CNN, like what's your, your 60 second pitch to like grab people? What's, what do you, what's your go-to thing? If you've watched me speak before, and I know you have, I, real, I recognize something most people don't recognize. And I love Justin Amash. I love him. I think he's great. My worry has been and is he has been part of the two-party system. And the two-party system only has to preach rhetoric. There's nothing else required. Yep. It's just I'm not the other guy. People go, mm -hmm. yeah, the other guy's evil, and they vote for you. That's what he's accustomed to doing. I've run a third-party campaign. You can't do that. The reason why every time you ask me a question, I have an actual answer it's sure because is. that's the only way I can get people to pay attention to me. I can't play the rhetoric game. It doesn't work for a third party. It's not fair, and it's still true. So how do you inspire people? With a cool idea. I'm not joking. A cool idea that's based on the idea of emotion. I care about people. I want the right outcome for our nation now and in the future. And if you say that the right way and have an actual idea that people go, oh, that would work now and in the future. People tend to hear you at least. They may not vote for you, but at least they won't think you're crazy and they'll actually hear you. And then hopefully, maybe not this election, maybe next one, they'll actually vote for you. That's yeah. the answer. Okay. That's how you inspire. Sure. I, I agree 100%. But let, let's say you, you only have 60 seconds. You're on Face the Nation. What, what is your one your I don't one get to six seconds. I get six minutes. Okay. That's how okay. it works. I'm just telling you. I get six minutes. So what? The, okay, the, let me rephrase the elevator the pitch is, is the elevator pitch is not required. Okay, you have to have a six minute pitch. Let me rephrase. What are your what are your core principles that you're trying to get across? Your your big issues. It, it would depend upon my audience, right? When I deal, and you've seen me when when I deal with family issues, I will often talk about how the government has destroyed families, systematically destroyed families, pulled 
pulled fathers out of the households. How dare they? Mm-hmm. I want a government, a family court system that focuses on one important thing and one thing only when it comes to kids. How do I get those kids with kin to the best of my ability? Money's important and it matters. It's just secondary. I would rather have a broke dad than no dad. I know that because I lost my father when I was a kid and I had no dad and I would have taken a broke dad any day of the week. That's how you move people. Emotion, right, the right audience. You tell them the government stopped it. I will make sure it doesn't happen. Well, this is the dad presents, and that's a great pitch to my audience because if you look at the numbers, the number one correlating factor, maybe this isn't correct, but I've read this enough to believe it is, the number one correlating factor to success and staying out of prison is having a dad who's home. 100%. Oh my God, yes. Not necessarily home, but a dad in the kid's life. Yes. I would rather a dad be home. Absolutely. But, but you, I say this all the time. If, if your dad's not there, right? What are you going to be, what are you going to have as uh, as a kid, as a teenager? If you're a boy, you're going to be searching for a male role model. And mm-hmm. if you can't find one, where are you going to get it? Gang the gangbanger in the street. Yeah. That's a yep. male role model because I don't have one. Right. Right? And I can't go to family because mom has spent the whole time in my life telling me what a piece of garbage my father and his whole family is. So I, don't, I believe they're all pieces of garbage and bad. I don't want them. But in my head, I do. Because the mom doesn't realize that when she says the dad's a piece of garbage, I'm my dad. You're saying I'm a piece of garbage. So I think I'm a piece of garbage too. And I think I'm not worthy of happiness. I'm not worthy of success. So when I see the piece of garbage gangbanger out there, I jump right on board. I jump right on board to feel like I'm part of something. And if I go to jail, so what? I'm a piece of garbage anyway. And that's inside. But what if I'm a a female? How am I going to have a good relationship with the male? When what I know is my mom calling my dad, the people who I thought were going to be together and support me forever, who is my image, who are my image of manhood and womanhood, when all she'll do is say how bad he is and how crappy he is, how terrible he is, how am I going to have a relationship with a man? I'm not. I'm not. I'm going to have a crap relationship with all the men in my life and then wonder why I'm divorced too and my kids hate me too. Yeah. That stuff gets handed down. There's no doubt about it. Absolutely all the statistics it show it. Yeah, tragic. Okay, so um, talking about these things and money. I get a little emotional. I apologize. No, I love it. I love the passion. I mean, too many politicians are just they're just reading their their talking points. I mean, you put your heart into it, and I think that'll resonate with people. Um, I read on your platform. You know, you want to you want to no new spending, right? Which is a, a big thing for all libertarians, all conservatives, yes. no new spending, but all the conservatives no. say it and they all yep. just double and triple the, the debt and so on. We just had this bailout, $2 trillion, which was basically, as far as I can see, stealing money out of middle-class people's pockets like myself and giving it to the banks, just like it was in 2009 when 100%. Obama did it. Yep. Now they're talking about a $3 trillion bailout, yep. which I, I mean, I don't see how the cover, country recovers from that, honestly. It doesn't. So- you're talking about no new spending. What, what cuts would you make to the, the current budget, like significant cuts, number one? Yeah. And number two, instead of this $3 trillion package, given if, if you took over today, we've mm-hmm. been locked down, 30 million yeah. people have lost their jobs. It's Larry Sharp's job to now fix it. What would you do as an alternative to that? Yeah, there, let me cover several. There's a lot of pieces to that. Yeah. The first thing is I'm, I'm not a heavy cutter, if you've noticed what I talk about. 
I often talk about finding other ways to raise money, right? Naming rights on bridges, sponsoring infrastructure, right? Things that allow the state to create more money so I, I don't need taxes. Does that make sense? Yes, I like Finding that. ways of raising money other ways to show that it's not always required to be a tax or a mm -hmm. fee and allowing more people more usage, right? I use something so I pay for it. You don't use it, why are you paying for it? So more styles like that to shift and adjust. So that's stage one. Then I provide surpluses to lower um, to uh, counties so they can begin to cut taxes. One of the biggest ones is almost property tax. So you can begin to lower property taxes, right? Lower sales taxes locally. Once they're able to lower those major taxes, more money starts coming in in general, right? If people mm -hmm. start spending more, it's yep. the commerce piece. As more people are spending more money doing more commerce, all the revenue goes up and we can then begin to start cutting more spending and lowering taxes, right? And paying off debt. So that's the overall goal. There are a bazillion ways of doing that, but I mentioned a couple of them already. What we do in this case, let me go before and after. Does the, I brought up my plan off the bat before they did a, 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 a stimulus package. I told my plan. My plan's called the three-half plan. It's what you should have done. Now, this is spending. I'm sorry, libertarians get mad when I say this, but in this specific case of a pandemic, I'm okay with some spending because we're going to bail out banks anyway. So here's the actual plan. Off the bat, off the bat, you simply tell every financial institution in America, everyone, bank, insurance company, doesn't matter if you're a financial institution, credit card company, you may not force any payments for six months. None. You may not enforce any payments of any way for six months. You may not, period. I don't care. Now, if someone wants to pay, they may. You may not force it for six months, no payments. So all of a sudden now, Matt, you're not paying your bills. You don't got to pay your mortgage. You're going to pay your credit card. You're going to pay your car note. You're going to pay insurance note. You don't have to pay. Off the bat. Second thing I do, anyone who has rent may pay half rent regardless of your contract, period. Executive order, sue me if you want to, done. That's how it works, half rent if you want to. What does that mean? Well, how can my landlord take half rent? He's not paying his bills. Right. He can take half rent. He's not paying his bills. Not paying right? his mortgage. Yeah. He's not paying his mortgage. He can survive on half rent. He's got maintenance issues and such. But he's not paying his mortgage. He's not paying his credit card bill. He'll be fine. And now next, any company who wants to keep his money on board may pay them half salary, regardless of contracts you put together, regardless of union, regardless of minimum wage laws. You may pay half. Larry, how can I survive on half my salary? You're not paying your mortgage or your rent. Your rent's half. You're not paying your bills. You can survive on half your salary. It's six months. Why six months? Because in six months, everything gets trashed and people go home. Here's what happens. You're not displaced. The biggest issue, and those of you who've been through family issues know, displacement is the hardest part. You're not displaced. You can keep your job. Even if you're not working very much, your boss is happy to pay you half your salary. You can retain your job. You can stay in your home. You can keep your car. Your business doesn't go under because you're not paying your, your mortgage or you're paying half rent or you can pay half salaries. The display, you don't have 30 million Americans going for unemployment. You don't have insurance issues. None of that. So what else happens? You, Matt, go to, say to yourself, I got six months. How can I make my business work better and create a new norm in six months? You've got a chance to make things work and keep your business. Or if I work for someone, 
How do I rechange to retool my job so it's valuable in six months? Or if it isn't, how do I find a new job in six months? How do I change and get a new career set and learn something new in six months for half salary while I survive? Now the country itself can function and survive and, 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 and work. But now you might say, but Larry, these banks are losing a bunch of money. Yeah, that's right. We're going to bail them out anyway. But instead, just go to the bank, say financial institutions, put your actuaries on it, tell us how much money you lost, write a check directly to the bank's half and half the Fed prints magic money. The Fred Prince half magic money. They're doing it anyway. They're going to do it anyway. Yep. That, that's my point. But here's the difference. So Larry, with hold on. My that, plan, let me just, with my okay. plan, no one's displaced and yes. no cronies get the crony money. Right. It is cleaner. It is straight. And now if we can grow our economy back, we can actually pay it back in a couple of years. Yeah. So that sounds like something that would have worked. That sounds like it would have worked, you know, three months ago with no lockdown. Okay. It sounds like a good plan, Correct. but we didn't do that. I don't think they, yeah. that would work now. Like, what do you, what do you do about the 30 million? I think unemployed? you do it right now. Again, you, you do exactly the same. I just said, but you do it for three months instead. Maybe, maybe less. But what time. about how do we help those 30 million who are unemployed without what do you a, mean by that? Well, there's 30 million people who have already lost their jobs. Those businesses. Yeah, but if you can open everything back up, and start paying people half salary and start so paying people half okay. rent. Okay. And if they don't have to pay their bills, look, when you lose your job, what hurts you is not having the cash. What hurts you is you can't pay your bills. Right. Right. And, and many people have been in the spot where I can't pay my bill this month. That's what gets you. What if you don't have to pay your bills? Oh, yeah. well, then I'm not so bad anymore. Look, lifestyle still changes. And if I've got to make your lifestyle change, Okay, I'm I'm okay with that. I don't want to put you out in the street. Yeah. Stay in your house, change your lifestyle. You're not going out three times a week. You're going out once a week. All right. But now you can begin to move yourself up. Yeah. It's a much but more I humane It's a much more humane uh approach than what they've done. I mean, you still have the credit cards are still out there charging 25% interest. Like how is that? Yes. How are they doing that? That's Yes. That's, that's criminal. I mean, that, that's criminal under normal circumstances at this point, especially when these companies have gotten bailout money, they're still charging 25%. I mean, you got to know yep. the banks and the credit card companies. Are Could you imagine if you had a restaurant? Through. Of course they are. Yeah. Yes. Could you imagine if you had a restaurant or a manufacturing plant or whatever, and all of a sudden now you just laid, you've laid off five, six, eight people. And all of a sudden now I say, those bills you're looking at, you don't pay them for three months. Oh, really? Yeah, don't pay them for three months. And you, if you want, pay everybody half salary. Really? Oh, let's hire them back. Let's hire them back. If I'm not going to pay my bills and I can pay half salary, come on back. Yeah. All those yeah. guys on furlough, furlough ends. Literally overnight furlough ends. They're being furloughed because they want them. They just can't afford them. That's why they're not being fired. They're being furloughed. So once you change the environment to where Oh, I can afford them. Bring them back. But the most important thing is there's no leadership here. The leadership is all fear-based. No one's up front going, hey, accounting firm, this is your new norm. Get your act together. How are you going to be an accounting firm when your people have to work from home, when your people have to deal with these issues, when your businesses around you are collapsing? How are you going to provide them value? Start that now. What are you doing? Why are you collapsing? Why are you surrendering? 
hey, why are we only using Zoom? I love Zoom. Why aren't there seven other people like this? Why aren't there nine other apps besides Zoom? Why aren't you making this now? What are you doing? Make it now. Don't look at me. Go make it. That's what a leader should be doing. The problem mm -hmm. is our leadership has been, guys, don't do anything. I got this. Guys, don't do anything. I got this. That's not leadership. That's not leadership. Leadership is, guys, I need you. Get up. Right? I'm a Marine. I don't go, guys, sit here. I'll take the hill. I don't do that. I go, man, get up. We got a hill to take. You get the machine gun. You get the ammo. Let's go. No, That's no. what a leader does. Yeah. We're not seeing that. I mean, in World War II, our leaders motivated the population to get out there and make things happen. Then you have uh, 2001, 9-11, George Bush is telling people to shop. That's, that was his advice. Yes. Now, now they're telling everybody, be afraid, stay at home. So we're, we're already over time, um, but I just want what, one more question for you. It seems like you're on the same page with myself. I have a habit of doing that. I'm sorry. No, it's great. It's great. <laughs> you're... you're you're on the same page with myself and I think most of the followers of this show that we need to get back to work. We need to end the lockdowns that we yes. cannot sustain this. What do you tell to people who have bought the, the talking point that we have to stay down, locked down forever and they're afraid to go out? They're afraid that they're going to get sick and die. What, what is the message you give to them? To yeah, give them the, the issue is, is several fold. And I bring up a story of my parents, right? My, my mother and my father both died of cancer. Um, but, and if you know anyone who died of cancer, you know it's very rarely short. It's often a very long, drawn-out process to die of cancer. And both of them had that process. My father died when I was much younger. And when he was dying, he wanted to live. He cared about quantity of life. He was like, cut me open. Give me a colostomy bag. Give me chemotherapy. Keep me alive. That's what he wanted. My mother, when she died, she was older when she passed. She wasn't that way. She was like, I've seen people die. I don't want quantity of life. I want quality of life. And I'm going to spend time with my granddaughter. And if that means I need to go out, have a chemotherapy, put a mask on, and go to an, an, an amusement park, and I die from an infection that I, have, that I catch while playing with my granddaughter, okay, so be it. I don't care. Both are right. Because you own your life. I don't get to tell you how to live your life. No one does but you. That's it. If you're over 80 and you've got a preceding condition, I would ask you, please stay home. But if you want to go out and spend time with your grandkids at a park and maybe die, okay, it's your life. If you don't want to spend the next uh, you know, three years of your life locked in a basement because of fear, okay. If you're afraid, stay home. If you're not afraid, go out. But Larry, people might get me sick. Then wear a mask and there were a mask too. That's how it works. You can't stop your life because you're afraid. I'm sorry, you shouldn't. You can. You can't stop other people's lives because you're afraid. But Larry, I might die. You're right. You might. The question is, is it worth it to you or not? I don't decide you do. At its core, you own your own life. And your quality and or quantity of life is up to you. Nobody said, Larry, you can't join the Marine Corps. You'll get your arms and legs blown off. No one said that to me when I was 17. Why don't you stop me then? Right? Why have, you, why have you stopped our veterans now who are going across, going overseas and worse, worse than when I was in? Because medicine is so good now that they come back and they're broken inside and we can't tell. Who's stopping, who's stopping that? Nobody. Who's stopping that? I volunteered. Nobody drafted me. I volunteered to join. I took the risk. 
you volunteer to take the risk when you leave your home. If you're not okay with that, don't leave your home. I'm not mad at you. I'm not mad at you. All I'm saying is you own your own life. I have two people in my life who are over 40, over 80, I'm sorry, and have conditions. One has cancer, is on chemo, or in remission, but on chemo. Uh, no, maybe not in remission anymore. Now on chemo. And the other one has asthma and diabetes. I don't go visit them. I don't. I drop stuff off the door. I live in New York City and I have a car. And many people don't have cars in New York City. If you've ever been, you'll see a lot of people don't have cars. So I'll drop stuff off the door. I'll mask up and glove up and drop it off. I'm not going in. Literally, I might kill them. I'm not going in. I love them. I don't want them to die. I don't go in. But if they said, Larry, come in. I want you to come in. I want to spend time with you. I would go in because it's their life, not mine. But they don't want that. I don't want it either. We're on the same page. So we're good. So do I miss them? Of course I miss them. Of course I miss them. But I don't want to kill them. So I don't see them. Right. And that's our choice. Yeah. Bottom bottom line, liberty is important here. The freedom to make our own decisions and our liberties, our freedoms have been slowly being stripped away from us for the last 20 years. Yep. And um, we're kind of—I feel like we're kind of like the the frog who you put in a pot of water. If you slowly yes. turn the heat up, nobody notices. <laughs> yes. But now we've gotten to a point where I don't even think they care if we notice. They're they're turn, they're cranking it all the way up, and uh, people need to start fighting back. And that's why we need somebody like you, Larry Thank Sharp, you, brother, in the White House. I really think that the um, Libertarian Party has a chance to make some real noise. But we need somebody Thank like you. you on a debate stage. We can't have. Somebody like Justin Amash or or uh, who who do we have last time? Ron Gary Johnson. Gary Johnson. We need somebody with some passion, somebody who can get up there and speak to the American people. So I wish you well. Um, thank you, my and friend. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Of and course, stay safe don't there forget, in New York. You can go to the Sharp Way to watch my cool show. Also, right, thesharpway.com, uh, Sharp Way Twitter, Sharp Way Facebook, or check me out. LarrySharp.com is my my politics. Larry Sharp on Facebook, Larry Sharp on Twitter and Instagram. Check him out, dads. Thank you so much, Larry. Thank you.